Welcome to Closing Day. This podcast is for anyone looking to get into their very first home. The steps to buying a property are complicated. How much house can I afford? Where do I start? Should I just rent for the rest of my life? Hear from industry experts and get the answers. If you're looking to purchase your first home, you are in the right place. This podcast will help you get closer to closing day. Hey everyone, this is Cassie, producer of Closing Day, a podcast for first-time home buyers. I'm here with the podcast host, Kyle Pucko. Hey Cassie, how goes it? So great. We just got done recording our very first episode with Julie Pavlish of Homeward right here in Missoula. A home buying expert uh, helps people you know, go from zero to step one. Uh, every month she teaches the home buying course here, so a really great, great person to have in as our first guest. Cassie, what were some of your first kind of takeaways from from today's conversation? I think the great thing about this episode is that it's relatable for everyone, whether you are renting right now, considering buying, or maybe you're considering buying 10 years down the road. Uh, She gave a lot of resources that people can, you know, check out while they're listening to this podcast and real things they can do to help them take the next step. Yeah. And that first step is one of the hardest, right? Going from renting to owning and just how many steps are involved in between, which is really one of the reasons why we decided, hey, let's create a podcast where we bring in experts exactly like Julie to walk us through, you know, what is that step one? And I took some notes during the conversation to start with mortgage calculators, and you can do that right from your couch, take a home buying course, and then start talking with some professionals, which we're excited about because we're hoping to bring those professionals right here on the podcast. Anything else, Cassie, before we kick it over to Julie? I think that's great, and we're excited to share what she has to say. All right, everybody, enjoy episode one. Hey, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. We're really excited to welcome Julie Pavlish from Homeward. Julie is the home buyer educator, which means that she teaches courses in first-time home buying, financial literacy, and all things just getting into your first home. Julie, welcome. Thanks, Kyle. Cool. So excited to first kind of get some background about yourself. You know, can you talk a little bit about your journey into first-time home buying and home buying education and just how you came to be the person in Missoula for folks to go and take a class from about first-time home buying? Absolutely. So I have been in the financial literacy seen here in Missoula for about the last decade. Um, I started doing children's financial literacy education. So I would help kiddos from kindergarten all the way through college try to figure out like what money is and what to do with it. Um, so I was able to actually have the opportunity to join a program at the university a few years ago, their financial education program. And that is a program that's still ongoing that is there to just help students, staff, and alumni at the university figure out what to do with their student loans in relation to the rest of their lives. Wow. Yeah. Talk about an important topic. Right. Yeah. It's huge. And so through that process, um, working with students and particularly alumni, Um, helping them figure out once they were all done with school and kind of on to the next phase of their life, the impact that that early debt had on their choices and their options after college, it was, I mean, it's huge. And so for me, the natural next step was to start figuring out, so we get through school, what else do we want to do? Right. Buy a house. What's the next step (laughs) in that process? Take out a bunch of loans and then, oh, take out some more Take out some more. (laughs) So- Um, um, Homeward here in Missoula has been a longtime nonprofit organization that has helped home buyers through this process. 
So I am super lucky that I get to work with them on staff. Um, their actual whole mission is to use sustainable methods to provide safe and healthy homes that people can afford and strengthen communities through housing counseling and education for those in need. So wow. I work with the second half of our mission statement. I get to help first-time homebuyers feel like they are informed and knowledgeable about their financial situation so they can make the best choice for them. But we have another whole half of our organization that is only built to helping build or um, like rehabilitate buildings mm-hmm. so that they can be affordable homes that are safe and healthy. Very cool. So, and that's homes that all Montanans can afford. Because as we know, (laughs) Missoula often feels like a place where whether you're renting or looking at buying a home, it all feels out of range, right? (laughs) Yeah. And not only out of range, you know, we're really excited to have you here because you are teaching that first-time homebuyer course. Um, And why do you think there is so much confusion every week or how often is that course taught? And it's packed. I mean, people are signing up left and right. Why is there so much confusion? And it seems like the demand for knowledge is certainly there, and yet it doesn't get easier. I know. We were kind of joking about this as we were starting, but really the reason why it's so confusing is because so many of the answers to the questions depend on your particular situation. And so a lot of the information that you find out there is pretty general. You're like, well, wait, what if this? (laughs) Or my situation has this in it. I don't really understand how to fit that into the picture. So when you go to buy your first home, it's the biggest purchase that you are going to make in your adult life. I was actually reading an article a few weeks ago that said that it's also the most stressful thing that you can do in adult life, and the average first-time homebuyer cries three times during the process. It sounds like a blast to, right, to get in like, front of a, yeah, into guys, a home. I yeah, promise great. it is exciting, though. <laughs> Perfect. Good. So when you go to buy your first home, It's a big, expensive purchase, and it's a complicated. There's contracts involved and money involved and long-term lending agreements involved. I mean, there's all of these pieces of it. And each piece has its own professional that is like knows that section of it inside and out. Mm -hmm. But you as a homebuyer suddenly have to gain all of this big-picture overview of how the process is supposed to go and just kind of trust that you know where you're going. Right, right. (laughs) And that is too much information, I feel like, for most individual peoples to just acquire and become an expert in all at once. Mm -hmm. I think for a lot of people, it feels like they just don't know what that first step is because they start thinking about all the steps required and Mm -hmm. then say, I'm just going to sign another lease. Right. (laughs) And And that's really one of the things that, you know, is the focus of our first episode today is renting versus buying. Um, from you know the simplest form that step zero to step one is deciding do I want to keep renting? Uh, am I happy renting or do I want to take the plunge into crying five times a week into <laughs> ownership? Now we should right. say disclaimer not everybody has not, to cry right. and that's one of the reasons that we're here doing this mm-hmm. is so that uh, we provide some clarity in that process. So let's talk quickly about renting. You know you you talk with a lot of folks in the in the class that are renting and looking to maybe take that first step at least considering it. What yeah. uh, what are some things that you hear from renters that they reasons they enjoy renting and are considering just hey I want to I want to just keep renting that's where I'm happy. So for renters, I think renting can be a great choice for folks if you are not ready to settle down yet. Like you're not sure that this is a city you want to make the commitment to for the time span that you're going to want to when you buy your first home, five to seven years. That's the recommendation. That's a recommendation. We want to be sure that you're there at least that long so that you can start building your equity. 
And so that the markets have time to adjust to hopefully go up a little bit so you can maybe even make a little money when it's time to sell your house. <laughs> mm-hmm. So five to seven years is kind of the minimum commitment time that you want to be willing to put into the the residence that you choose and the neighborhood that you choose and the city that you want to be in. Sure. You mentioned building equity. Mm-hmm. For our listeners, what what do you mean by that? I'm renting. I, you know, I just... Uh, I've got a car in my garage, and I'm, am I building equity? What's going on here? <laughs> so you're not building equity on your car. I'm oh, sorry. Man. I know. <laughs> so equity is the amount of um, the value between what you would owe on the house and what you could get for it if you put it on the market. So if you have a loan on the house for $100,000 and you could sell it for two fifty, dollars let's say, you'd have $150,000 in equity. That's money that you could use to pay the realtor with, that you could use to pay off the rest of your loan with, that you could put as a down payment maybe towards your next house. Got it. So you're Kinda renting. Like, so someone's renting. Yeah. And they're paying 900 bucks a month yep. for a one bedroom. Mm-hmm. And that 900 bucks is going toward a landlord, to a landlord. Mm-hmm. Your landlord has two units in this property. They're making $1,800 a month. Mm-hmm. Their mortgage, the, the money they pay to the bank for their house costs $1,500. Mm-hmm. So every month they're taking home a little bit off the top of $300. So mm-hmm. you're essentially building your landlord's equity. Is that accurate? Well, you're building your landlord's income and that amount that they have above what the 1500 that they owe to the bank. You're also helping them build their equity in the property with the mortgage they have on the bank. Sure. So you, they're making income like tangible passive like income money that they're putting in their pocket and walking away with they're also building equity every time they make a payment towards the principal balance on their loan Mm -hmm. so twice the amount (laughs) and so i'm renting when my sink breaks Mm -hmm. i call my landlord right so that's that's kind of a cool deal maintenance if you're not interested in mowing the lawn shoveling the sidewalks particularly this time of year (laughs) yes if you for those listening and not seeing out our window it's negative 20 degrees and snow is everywhere we're in (laughs) montana you may not want to do that um fixing the sink you know changing the carpets out changing flooring there's all those kind of maintenance things Mm-hmm. They have to be at least somewhat interested in <laughs> Definitely when to get it into comes a to be a home buyer. So that's a definite right. perk mm-hmm. is something breaks, I don't have to fix it. I can go away for the weekend and not worry about mm-hmm. the pipe that may or may not be right. flooding my basement. You can move if you don't like your neighbors. You can move if you don't like your neighbors. Right. They're yeah. noisy. You can't study. Whatever's going on. Your lease is up in six months. Great. You're going to go and find a better situation. You decide to leave. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A little bit more flexibility. In freedom, yep. in that way. Great. Um, on the other hand, you're also limiting your freedom in a couple of ways, right? Can't paint the walls. Can't put in new light fixtures if you don't like the ones that are there. Right. Can't decide to necessarily bring in just anybody as a roommate to help you cover the cost of the rent, right? You have to get them approved by the landlords. Mm-hmm. You can't sublet it during the summer. There's Airbnb rules. like Yeah, a lot of things. A lot that, more limitations yeah. on what you're able to do in the space. Yeah. And so for somebody that's thinking, you know, I'm renting. I've been renting for three years. I'm just starting to plant this seed of maybe I want to take a home buying course or 
listen to a few more episodes of this podcast, like where do you recommend people who are renting or who don't own start thinking about a home? Well, there's a couple of ways that we, I think a class, and there's lots of ways out there that you can do that. We offer our home buyer class here in Missoula once a month. It's either on a Saturday or three weeknights in a row, but it's a pretty big, it's a nine hour class and there's a lot of information. It's a great way to at least dip your toes in and assess whether you're really ready right now (laughs) or what maybe your next step is to get ready. But there's online courses as well that you can go to, or we offer one-on-one counseling sessions as well. There's lots of organizations out there that can help with those kind of helping you tailor to your next step. But if you want something that just kind of a general would be to go out there, find a good mortgage calculator, and one that includes your taxes and your insurance, as well as the principal and interest on your payment. So you just want to find a good one. You just Google search mortgage calculator. <laughs> yeah, Bankrate has a pretty good okay, one. Great. You know, yeah. there's a couple out there. Um, put in how much you think you'd be comfortable with in making as a payment mm-hmm. or what you'd like to have as a purchase price. So if you know that in our area you want to spend, say, $250,000, your neighbor's house is for sale and you're mm-hmm. thinking about it, and you want to know what the payment would be like, put it in, get an estimate. Try making that as your rent payment for three months. Oh, that's a great tip. See how it goes. Yeah. See, <laughs> totally low Your landlord rate. will be happy too because they're receiving all this extra money and they're... Well, what you do is, you right, you make your regular payment and you save the difference between them in a savings account. Cool. Not yeah. only does that give you like a true test for yourself, like it, can I really handle this payment amount? Right. Is this going to be okay? It also helps you start building that savings that you're going to want to have when you go into the home buying process, either mm-hmm. for a down payment or your closing costs or when to get into the house, new furniture, <laughs> right. all those great it's things. It's such a huge question for renters is, well, how much should I even allocate? Is mm-hmm. it double my rent? Is it triple my rent? Is it below my rent? And that really depends on where in the country they're located, what their current living situation is. Are they upgrading right. from a one-bedroom to a four-bedroom? Are you willing to have roommates? Do you right. want to be there by yourself? <laughs> There's lots of questions to be. Yeah. And that's why so often the answer is it depends. For sure. <laughs> and why it's so frustrating with that. Yeah, I think that's a great tip, though, to start with tinkering with some mortgage calculators, figuring out what, um, you know, what is it, how much can I afford? And maybe that's a question for a renter is, Okay, I'm I'm paying nine hundred dollars a month right now. That's really predictable. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much house I can afford, mm-hmm. um, which may be a topic for another episode. But that's a huge one: is you get conflicting answers with how much house you can afford according to the bank versus how much <laughs> you can afford according to your lifestyle. Right, and I think that um, those are all questions that. Uh, we can help you answer, and there's definitely like rules of thumb out there. We like to have just your housing be about 30% of your gross income. Gross income. Yep. That's what's on my paycheck or that's what's uh, that's my what's salary divided by 12. That's what's on your paycheck. <laughs> so what you get every month before anything's taken out of your paycheck. Cool. So your gross income, if you take 30% of that, that's called your front-end ratio. And it's what we as like a rule of thumb recommend as about a good amount for your housing because what are you spending the rest of your 70% of your income on? Mm-hmm. Well, tax is still going to come out of your paycheck. You got your health insurance, you know, all those things before you even see any of it. Exactly. And then life <laughs> right. with what you actually get 30% to of your take home every month <laughs> right. is kind of a good benchmark. It's kind of a good benchmark. And often in Missouri, you're going to find that for a lot of our folks here in Montana, mm-hmm. 
they're already, even if you're renting, spending over that. Right. And so that we start looking at ratios like your back end ratio, which is your total debt to income. How much else do you got out there? Do you also need a car payment? Do you have student loan payments? Do you have credit card debt? You know, what else do you have going on in your financial picture? Right. And then we can add the housing component to that. Can you quickly explain the debt to income ratio? Yeah. So debt to income is you take your gross income and you divide that by all of your other outstanding obligations. So things that you have already agreed to pay people at the first of the month. Mm -hmm. Your car payment, student loans, child support, um, credit cards, all those kind of debts. Yep doesn't include things necessarily like your insurance or your groceries those are all uh, discretionary spending if you will in a month they can change you can get new quotes they can go up and down but once you've locked in and told somebody i will pay you this every month on the fifth (laughs) right that's something we need to calculate in so let's pretend i'm a listener i'm renting and i'm saying wow i've just done exactly what julie has recommended would Mm -hmm. i do i've done the mortgage calculator i've figured out 30% of my gross income. I don't have a, a bunch of outstanding debt at the moment. I do maybe have a car payment, but it works into the equation. Yeah, we're good. Um, great. I'm going to save money by owning. Mm-hmm. Is that true? False? Is that a myth? Depends. Yeah. Depends on <laughs> I know, Kyle. how nice you want your landscaping <laughs> done. Right. Exactly. I mean, it depends on... Um, are you willing to put sweat equity into your house? Are you... Are there any special improvement districts on the property that you're interested in buying? Are there mm. HOA fees that you're going to have to buy? Yeah, we on might, the need, pro- to, right, so we might need to dive into each of those. Right, so each property that you look at Yeah, you is mentioned HOA, be... Homeowners Association, so that's they'll mow your lawn for you, they'll, they'll shovel the sidewalks, and they'll replace right. the roof, but each month you're paying a little bit into that, so that, that's right. that adds on top of your mortgage. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you said something about it depends on – Sweat equity. Sweat equity, yeah. So, what was sweat equity all about? Have you watched a lot of HGTV? A fair amount. And looked at those like, I could do that. Do Pro- you ever have property that? Property Brothers? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You ever have that moment where you're like, oh, I could totally do I that. I could flip that house. <laughs> right. I could flip that house. I think we all have that until we get about a third of the way into a home improvement project. Yeah. And then suddenly reality sort of sets in. You're looking for the experts. Right. And you're, you're, yeah. you're turning to those experts. YouTube for... <laughs> is no longer helpful. So your skill level, uh, what the individual property has for, you know, the reality of that property. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends. Yeah. There's so many factors in that side of it, whether or not you'll save money. One interesting one, I also work really closely with Missoula in Motion here, um, our Transportation and Sustainability Coalition. And depending on where you live, do you have to have a car? Can you go down to one car for a family? Massive savings and not having an additional car payment or car insurance while it might cost you a little more to buy a property in that area, how much are you saving if you can cut your transportation costs down? Right, right. So there's a lot of different factors for each individual and each situation yeah. and each property. And every property is different. Yeah. Right. And so to our topic of renting versus owning, because that is such a question for so many first-time home buyers, is making that leap. Um, so I've decided I'm going to start saving to buy a home. Uh, or maybe I already have some money saved up. Who should be the first person that I talk to? Me. 
but Julie at homework. <laughs> Julie at homework. Just to really give yourself that education, it's going to give you that big overview. But after that, um, I say talking to your lenders. So interview a couple of them. They're not all the same. They don't all have the same products. These are the people that are going to loan you the money. They're going to, to loan buy you the home. money. They're going to know all of these the ratios that we talked about inside and out. They're going to look at your income. They're going to look at your credit. They're going to look at your debt obligations. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be able to help you decide. Okay, we would be willing to lend you X amount of money. That really helps you narrow in when you go to the next step, which is getting together with your realtor and looking to shop for homes. You don't want to be looking at champagne homes on a beer budget, right? <laughs> right? right. Yeah. You don't want to see a $400,000 house and fall in love with it and then go to the lender and get approved for two t- That's where tears happen. Sure. Right. <laughs> so if we're trying to avoid like one time instead of three for crying. And a good way to maybe gauge what your area what mm-hmm. homes are selling for Zillow.com is a great resource. You know, there are a couple of those on like Zillow, Trulia. Those are all good places to like kind of start getting an idea of what's maybe available out there. But really the better one is to go to the professionals because mm-hmm. those are only as good as the site makers can make them. <laughs> right. And so each state is a little bit different. And so a lot of the sales prices that you see on Zillow are the Zestimates. Because of the way Montana reports the sales of homes, those aren't always accurate or reliable. Um, And that's for our state here in Montana. Other Mm -hmm. places, it's totally different. So by working with a real estate agent that actually knows your market, you're going to get the best results in the shortest amount of time. So you're really going to, I know it may not sound like you're saving yourself a lot of time to go in and meet with all of these different professionals, but when you look at the amount of time that you would take to research and gain that knowledge on your own, you're really going to be saving yourself time overall to just be like, okay, realtor, get me on the MLS, the Missoula Listserv for real estate. And yeah, any any city will have this. Right, any city has it. that. Yep. Um, and then you're they're going to know once talking to you, like we know you don't want to live out in Frenchtown. We know you don't want to be out to Clinton. You want to be closer to Missoula. Or maybe you do. You want to look for outside of Missoula city limits. So if you're listening outside of Montana, your first step, home buying course, Somebody online, either in your area, Mm -hmm. um, the equivalent of Homeward for For your area area here. The HUD website, the housingandurbandevelopment.gov, hud.gov, is going to have a list of all the HUD certified housing counselors for the whole country. Oh, great. And they're in every market across the United States. That'd be a good place to start. So there's great resources out there. Cool. And how much do you recommend somebody having in the bank before they start these conversations? What percentage of... Let's say you find a home for 200000 What percentage would you say you know, a working young professional should have in the bank? You're going to hate me. It depends. It depends on the situation. <laughs> right. Yeah. It really People de- say 20% is a good amount to put down for a home. So that's actually probably one of the biggest myths, myths. out there to okay, home buying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So 20%, we're, what that comes from is conventional loans. And there's this whole product out there that I'm sure you guys could do a, a whole podcast on um, called Mortgage Insurance. There's private mortgage insurance and federal mortgage insurance. PMI. PMI, yes. <laughs> so if you don't want to pay mortgage insurance on your loan, that's where that 20%, that magic 20% number comes from. Mm-hmm. But there are loan products out there that you can get 0%. You can go in with 0% down. Hmm. You, you're likely to have to pay mortgage insurance on them. But to Which help Which mortgage you, insurance ranges anywhere from 75 bucks a month to $200 a month, depending on the price of your home. Yeah, it can be lower than that. It can be 20 
it depends on how much you're coming in with down, what kind of loan you have. Okay, so if someone's saying, hey, no way I can, aff- I don't have 20%, and they're saying, oh, private mortgage insurance sounds scary, right. it's actually not that scary? You know, I think it's it's just part of the home buying process. It's yeah. something to be aware of, and it's something to be knowledgeable about, um, and to be able to ask your lender about. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between these two? Um, a lot of the home buying process is finding partners that you can communicate with who explain things in ways that you can understand. Um, so yeah, sometimes- that aren't trying to make things overly complicated. <laughs> right. That can say, hey, and can this take is the so time much, to yeah. provide you with that. Um, cool. You're paying these professionals along the way, and you deserve that as part of the service. Yeah. And I guess that's another question is you mentioned paying these professionals along the way. Should I have money saved up to pay? Am I paying my lender when I meet with them the first mm-hmm. time? Or that's maybe another episode. But right. So that's going to be when you get to your closing costs. So and only at closing day do yep. you, the folks you're working with see a, see a check. Yes, exactly. So there's lots of time between going under contract on a house and getting to closing. And yep. there's lots of steps that have to happen along the way for everybody to go through and have that be a successful transaction. <laughs> so that's kind of nice that you can go, you can be renting and you can say, hey, I want to go take a home buying course. I want to meet with a realtor. I want to meet with a lender. I want to go fill out a mortgage calculator and figure out my debt to income ratio and how much I could be paying. And so far, I've spent how much of my own money? Zero dollars. Zero dollars. Zero dollars. <laughs> so that's uh, so that's yeah. a huge win if you're renting and you're thinking about getting started. Mm-hmm. Is that it may take some time, a time commitment, but uh, from a dollars out of pocket standpoint, you can learn a ton without having to swipe a credit card or yes. hand over some cash. Yes. Some lenders are going to have an application fee as part of their process, but usually those are pretty minimal. Cool. Um, and when you look at your overall grand scheme of how much you're going to be spending on this one purchase, not getting scared by those smaller dollar amounts, not letting that stop you from going into the exploration is key. So yeah, I would say for, for a young professional – Having enough that you'd be willing to pony up maybe an application fee of fifty dollars, fifty bucks, yeah. yeah, a home buyer course between fifty and a hundred bucks, um, you mm-hmm. know, so a couple hundred dollars that you can put on the line as information gathering monies. <laughs> the return on that fifty dollars of investment would Massive. be tremendous. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's really great advice. So let's say I'm renting and I'm currently dating someone. Is good idea, bad idea for you guys to go through this process together? Um, that might be another podcast in itself. But <laughs> what advice would you give to somebody Are who you... is not in a married relationship? But <laughs> You know, it's interesting because I actually see this situation a lot. And between folks who are dating or partnerships, um, but also like just friends who are looking at, they're all spending 900 bucks a month on rent. If they get a three-bedroom house and maybe it's a $1,500 mortgage payment, everybody can come out ahead a little bit. So some important things to think about um, and just kind of be aware of, I think, in those situations are open lines of communication with the people you're going to be partnering with. Um, One of you may decide to do the loan just in their name and Mm -hmm. the other person no different than if they were going to rent from the landlord they're currently with, they pay you a little bit of rent towards the transaction. But that means you're taking on the majority of the risk for that. So when it comes time to sell that property, you need to have a conversation about who's going to get any gains, <laughs> that right. any monies that may be it's made off that property. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Some of that equity, where's it going? I mean, we all hope that our loves are eternal loves, right? <laughs> right. But being able to have those honest conversations up front about expectations, risk, and 
what to do like if it doesn't work out right. If things go sideways. If things go sideways. Um, that's a really – if you can't communicate with a person about it, the chances of you actually wanting to enter that transaction with them, I think those are going to start to go down. <laughs> maybe a good time to get legal involved, hire a you lawyer, know, look at a contract. It could be – like I said, these are all conversations that need to happen probably with your lender and between the partners themselves. You hear a lot of horror stories about folks that get into a home and things go sideways. You know, and it doesn't really matter if you're married or not married. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're right. Just, when things yeah. go sideways in love, oftentimes like terrible money things is short behind. involved yeah, in there behind. somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, not great, but right. good advice. But it is yeah. something, you know, I often have that question. And usually in a counseling session, what we will look at is both parties individually and then combined so that everybody knows their options as individual people and whatever their options are as a unit as well. And that way between them, they can go with the path that makes them the most comfortable. Mm -hmm. So it's all about individualizing because what is the right answer for client A is almost never going to be the right answer for client B. Right. And so... Um, that's why it's important, again, to draw on those professional resources and take the time to do the research. Great. I've got a question here about renting to own. Uh, so let's say you've been renting for five years and your landlord approaches you and says, hey, we, I'd like to introduce you to the concept of renting to own. So your rent payment each month goes into some sort of equity fund. Is that how this works? Or can you explain that for us? Seller finance. Seller financing. <laughs> so you're, you're um, renting and you're pitched to this idea. Yeah. Good idea, bad a, idea. Depends. Yeah. <laughs> I know. This yeah. is going to be, it really does depend on your situation. Um, in that case, I would definitely still go to the professionals and see, like, know what a lender would charge you to just outright buy a home of equal value. You may be able to get a better deal by doing that. Yeah, it might seem comfortable to stay in your current spot right. and do this, but you may also be getting ripped off. Right. You may end up spending a little more. Yeah. So I think that knowing what your options are outside of that situation will help better inform you of whether that's the right choice for you or not. Because in some cases, it could be the right choice for somebody. You're comfortable where you're at. You really like it. It allows you to take a little more time to get ready to be able to approach a lender uh, maybe with that 20% down. Yep. So, you know, it might be a good thing. Cool. A lot of sellers will um, approach their renters before they sell and ask them if they would like to just buy the property. Right. You know, they're already in it. They're there. The they're, landlord doesn't want to manage the it anymore. The landlord doesn't want to manage it anymore. They're moved out of state. They thought that maybe they would be coming back. It turns out they're not going to be. Um, and they've built this relationship with their renters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's all different kinds of ways you can come into this transaction. Yeah. So there's no one like right way. <laughs> and do you cover a lot of these in the home buying course? You know, the home buying course generally goes through just like I am a buyer who wants to buy a pre-built, like a house that is already in existence. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what should I do? Because that's probably, what would you say, 80% of buyers, 90% of right. buyers? Right. It's in the high percentages. Sure. Um, these are and particularly instances. Yeah. For your first home, a lot of people feel like the normal route is kind of the safe route. <laughs> sure. It gives you that chance to practice it. The path of least resistance. <laughs> right. Exactly. Get in there. Yep. So... Um, when you go to do some of these odd ones, I would say probably still 70 to 80% of the material that's covered in the first time homebuyer class is still going to be applicable. Mm -hmm. 
you're still going to want to get a home inspection no matter what happens. Right. <laughs> you protect yourself that way. Know what you're getting into about your property. Yeah, we'll jump into home inspections on another yep. day, but that's part of the due diligence of buying the home. Right. There's all these steps that will be applicable, if not directly, at least they'll give you a better idea of what to expect or maybe where things start to get a little wonky and you should be concerned sure sure like knowing when to ask the question is this okay <laughs> right yeah that not just trusting people because they right. have a suit on and exactly yeah yeah that's great um julie we now are entering the part of our podcast which we lovingly call closing time So we're going to ask you a series of questions that we may or may not ask every guest on future podcasts, but to, to kick things off, you're, you, get to, you get to be our first crack at, uh, at some of these. Um, so our first question on closing time, what are the big myths associated with buying a home? So I think we talked about this. I think that down payment, um, so many of us get focused on um, just trying to get that together that we sort of lose track of some of the other really important details when it comes to financing a home purchase too. Mm -hmm. um, so you don't have to go in with 20% down. You can do it as little as zero, three and a half, five percent. Like those are all depending on your loan products. You can come in and get a mortgage with that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So many people think that 20% is the, the only number. Right. I think the other big myth that I would say, so home buying is a completely personal choice. Just because all your friends are doing it right. <laughs> doesn't mean that it's necessarily the right thing for you. Just because your parents did it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the right choice for you. Yeah. So home buying isn't for everyone. Who is it not for? Mm, I think that if you want to be an Instagram influencer and are only going to be around for three weeks out of the year to enjoy this kind of place. You're just not really sure where you're going to land. You don't want to take on that kind of commitment. Home buying isn't for you. Not for you. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is not right now doesn't mean never. Right. So just because you've decided, you know, I don't really want to buy a home right now doesn't mean there aren't steps you can take. So when you do decide to buy a home, you're ready to do it. And mm -hmm. you're financially ready to do it. Right. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. If you had one piece of advice for someone considering making the jump from renting to owning, what would it be? So this is for renters and owners. Got it. <laughs> Everybody. Okay. Um, my piece of advice is protect your credit. Whether you are renting, if you go to a new landlord, they're pulling your credit. They're seeing what's going on in your financial life through mm -hmm. that means. When you go to buy your house, your credit's going to be pulled. It affects your insurance. It affects a lot of jobs are pulling credit now. Right. Um, guard so it with your life. Guard it with your life, protecting your credit. And not being afraid to explore and get more information on it. Um, it seems like a really scary thing because we don't necessarily know a lot about it. And again, it's one of those areas that's kind of mystified. Right. <laughs> but taking the time to learn a little bit about it and get comfortable with it and finding ways that you can improve and protect it, best financial move you can make for anybody out there. Which I guess answers our <laughs> next question, the one piece of financial advice, guard that credit score. Guard that credit score, yep. Cool. <laughs> we, I think we should probably have an episode just on how to protect your credit score, how to improve your credit score, mm -hmm. you have a low credit score, how to, you know, how to get, that, yeah. get that going in the right direction. Mm -hmm. um, 
And how about a book, Julie, that you would recommend for our listeners? You know, I came across one um, a few days ago that I thought was really interesting. I don't necessarily love the title. It's called Broke Millennial. <laughs> broke Millennial. It's by Aaron Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. Perhaps some of our listeners are broke millennials. I, I you know, I, I myself identified But it's a really approachable book um, that's formatted for a lot of the questions that you know, just growing up and being like a financial adult <laughs> right. uh, makes it really accessible in a way that's not going to talk down to you because the parent, the dis- like the economy that our parents were working with <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're like the choices that they were able to make are a lot different than those that are facing our 20 to 40 year olds today. Right. Right. So real steps on how to deal with your student debt, real steps for looking at those credit cards, Cool. whether or not a home's the right purchase for you. Um, Lots of good information in there. Broke Millennial. Look Mm -hmm. it up. And lastly, Julie, how can people find out more information about you, about Homeward uh, in general, and specifically those right here in Missoula? Yeah. So Homeward here um, is homeward.org, H-O-M-E-W-O-R-D.org. You can register for our classes there. You can see the schedule. We've got good information on our affordable properties here in Missoula that's also located there, as well as um, being able to sign up for our financial fitness classes as well. This is something that I really didn't want to squeeze in here. So buying a home, right, takes this baseline financial understanding of your budget and your credit and how much you're spending every month, what your income is, taxes, dare I say. It takes baseline understanding of all of those kind of things. So if you feel a little bit hesitant on any of those categories, we offer financial fitness classes every month as well just to get you caught up on those basics so that you can feel comfortable and confident moving into the next step. So our homebuyer education classes are there. Our financial fitness classes are there. Our wet rice classes are all there and can be signed up for. Hey, you should think about doing a, like a Facebook Live for folks who aren't Missoula that want to listen in on these. Do you, do you put them online <laughs> You know, at we're all? working on building more technology into our classes. Cool. Um, and in the coming year, in the next six or so months, we're going to be working on a lot of those. Cool. So well, maybe I'll we'll definitely put, do uh, a we'll Facebook Live. We'll update the live. show notes. When, <laughs> yeah. So for folks not in Missoula that want to attend one of Julie's mm-hmm. home buying courses, we can link that up. Awesome. Well, Kyle, so, thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. What a great, what a great guest. What a great, uh, great information here. And I think if I had the question of renting versus owning, I'm now armed with the tools and knowledge to take the next step. So thanks a lot for being, uh, being our guest today. Thanks, Kyle. Have a good one.